0: We are uh, 27 families away. We have 50 people who have signed up to be a part of the love mission who are open to uh, us loving them and providing for them, adopting them in a sense. And uh, so we have 27 slots left. So I want to encourage you that uh, um, as a result of learning about God's grace, the love that he's poured into you, I want to encourage you to take the step of uh, signing up and being able to pass this love on to them for this Christmas. Uh, if you need to know any more details, check that out at the concierge table. They'll, they'll take good care of you. Um, <clears throat> we are in uh, week six, I think it is, or uh, of uh, 40 Days of Grace. And so we've been working through um, all these amazing things that God has done for us. And that's new relationship that he's put us into, this place of grace where he has us to stand. And uh, today, we're going to start off talking a little bit about, do you operate from fear or do you operate from confidence? And uh, when we operate from fear, it uh, it really has a lot of negative connotations. If you, uh, if you remember the first time you asked somebody out, there's a really good chance you operated from fear. There's a really good chance that, uh, that either that first date or the first time that you uh, ask them out, you have this long list of things as to why they wouldn't like you, should I wear this, is this going to work right, is that going to be okay, should I take her here, is this going to be okay, and, and you fear the results, you, f- you fear what's going to happen. And uh, so as we jump in, I've got a little video, um, it seems as though in many ways we've been trained to fear. Uh, take a look at this. His eyes are open. Don't worry about it, sometimes they are. <laughs> But he isn't cowering. He's looking right at us. Don't worry. He'll learn to cower. They all do in time. But he isn't. Mom, wow, he's so puny. <laughs> and look at those ears. And from the very beginning, Despro Tilling heard more, saw more, and even smelled more than any of the other mice. Tesbro don't do it! Despero Tilling had no idea he was small. He wasn't just small in human terms. He was small, even for a mouse. But to tell you the truth, he didn't even notice. In fact, in his own mind, Despero was a giant. We're worried about him. He doesn't scurry. He doesn't cower. At first, we thought he would grow out of it, but well, he he scurries sometimes. But not when he's scared. He just does it for fun, and he never cowers. We've showed him how. Well, some kids are slower than others. He'll cower in time. We'll work on it. Yes, but it'll be fine. I promise. All right, settle down. Ready, class? Good, excellent. Despero. Yes? You didn't cower. Looks like a sword. It's a carving knife. It's beautiful. It's dangerous. Do do you have any more? So how do you live your life? Do you live your life in fear? Or do you live your life from confidence? Do you operate out of fear or out of hope? Confidence. Hope is I know what I've been promised for the future. I know what God has promised for the future. I know what's coming in the future, or I know who I am. And so, <clears throat> oftentimes, we do operate out of fear. We operate out of fear that we're gonna miss out. And uh, so, we, we're really busy. We're running around doing everything because we wanna experience everything because I don't wanna miss out. I'm afraid I'm gonna miss out. Sometimes, we operate out of the fear that I'm not good enough. And so, we spend our entire lives. Your career is to prove that you're good enough, your marriage is to prove that you're good enough, the way you parent is to prove that you're good enough. And you find yourself interacting in all of those areas and measuring yourself based on, am I good enough? And you, you really operate out of fear. For some, it's that I fear that I'm going to fail. And so you don't do things. You won't take risks because you're afraid that you're going to fail. Or you have this d- huge desire, this need to control everything because you're afraid you're going to fail. And so when you, when you do things, you're tense, you're uptight, you're afraid you're going to fail. Many, many times the reason for anger and the reason for your anger problem is you're afraid you're going to be seen as a failure. You, you operate in such a way that you have this false bravado. You have this control thing. You, 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 you control everything around of you and you think it's confidence. Actually, it's fear. And so you lash out and you, you operate in a way that hurts others. Why? Because you're you really operate from fear, not from confidence. What does it look like to operate from confidence? Confidence starts with peace. Peace with God. Whenever you meet somebody who's at peace with God? When life comes at them, they're not freaking out because they really are at peace. They know that this thing that's coming at them doesn't change who they are, what they're here for, or whether they're important or not. Why? Because I'm at peace with God. I know God knows who I am, and, and He's at peace with me. It's an incredible, incredible experience. It's something that has been promised to us as we worked through this 40 days of grace. It's also about strength. Confidence comes from strength. I have strength. I have the ability to do this. I can carry this out. I can complete the task. And when you know you have that strength, you you don't have to freak out. And as we walk through the 40 days of grace, Jesus has literally said, I have given you my spirit. I have given you my power. My circumstances do not determine my value. See, when you know who you are and whether or not you're valuable or not valuable, when you know the end of the story, when you know that Christ has entered into a relationship with you whereby he has given you his righteousness, his goodness, you'll be measured based on who Jesus is. Wow, incredible confidence. It doesn't matter what anybody else in the room or at work or my family thinks of me. It doesn't matter if they think I'm valuable. Why not? Because God does. Because he's given me that gift. It's part of this journey of grace that we've discovered. So as we interact with life, the number one source of fear is actually sin. We either fear that it will overtake us, that it will rule us, that we can't beat it. If you've ever been addicted to anything, you know what that's like. It's like, it's my boss. And sometimes that's addicted to a a substance, but you can also be addicted to your pride. You can be addicted to your selfishness. You can have this sense that I, I can't, it wins every time, I can't beat it. It also is, uh, <clears throat> sin is this huge factor in our lives and that it, we replace it. We, we think that by, by pursuing it that we can find freedom. It, it's a false confidence. It's that thing where you're, you're really cocky. You really think you have it all together because you're doing it your own way. You're your own man. And as far as you can tell, and it feels great at the time, and away we go. And then 10 years later, it has destroyed you. It's a false confidence. It's a big deal with this fear and confidence. So in chapter 8, which is where we are, we're going to take a look at three things that give us confidence as, as we build our lives on grace. Uh, the three things are That one, God has promised me that he is going to bring my life or my body to life so I can have an impact on other people. He has promised me that I belong to him, that he's my daddy. I have this really special relationship with him. And he has promised me that I'm his son or his daughter. Again, that special relationship with him. So let's hit the first one. This gives us incredible confidence. This allows us to operate from confidence instead of fear. The Bible teaches that I will be used by God to bring life to others. This is what the verse says. It says, he who has raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. How much of your life have you spent trying to become a better person? This is really good because it doesn't matter if you're what society would consider a really bad person, like you're basically selfish all the time and because you're enslaved to so many different sins, you have no money, you have, no, you, you're, you have a lousy life. Or if you're middle of the road, what people would call normal, or if you're a really amazing person and people are like, wow, they're so good, I can't, I, can't, I believe those people. It doesn't matter which level you're at. These people, each of these people tend to spend the same amount of time trying to become a better person. Has it not been your experience that when you meet someone who is really struggling in life, that they would say, you know, one day, one day when I whip this, I want to help other people. I really do. I want to, I, I want God to use this experience I'm going through to help other people. Or the the middle-of-the-road person who says, you know, I mean, yeah, there's these things in my life that are okay, but I need to be a better person. I need to move up in my life. And the same with this person. They're constantly working on becoming a better person, and it creates fear. It creates the fear that for me to be valuable, I need to move up this is what the Bible says. The Bible says that Christ has put his spirit in you and that spirit has already overcome this sin that you're struggling with. It is actually when Jesus raised from the dead, he defeated that sin that lives in you. You have this new spirit. You're a new person. You have a new heart. It doesn't look like it. I'm still struggling with this sin. That's right. And Christ's spirit will work in you to help your body be used for good in other words you will more and more surrender your body to your spirit that's god's work in your life right now if you're a believer if you're someone who've accepted the death of christ on the cross for you personally that's what you trust in then this is true of you. It's amazing. So what am I telling you? I'm telling you can live with confidence that even though right now it may not be going too well, this is the work that God is doing in your life long term. The second thing is you belong. I belong to my daddy. See, when we talk about a daddy or a father, in this room, there can be a lot of different reactions. For some of you, it's like, you he mean he's like my dad? My dad was never here. You mean he's my, he means like my dad? He was mean and cruel. You he th- he mean he's like my dad? He, he basically was selfish. No, I, I mean the dad you wished you had. I mean the dad who is the picture of a father who realizes, wow, this child is my responsibility. I'm going to do everything I can to help them have the best chance they can. They can always come to me. The Bible says, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Did you catch that first part you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear in other words Can I have confidence? That when i'm struggling with sin that I can go to god my father or do I have to fear him? No, you don't have to fear him Because he's your daddy For you receive the spirit of sonship and by him you cry abba father I was really fortunate in my life, very fortunate. My dad's passed away now, but my dad was, he was a great dad. He wasn't a perfect dad, but he was a great dad in this sense. I always knew, I always knew he had my best interests at heart. I've taken a lot of risk. I've lived a lot of places. I've moved places. I've taken financial risk. I've done crazy things. And part of that is because I have this incredible confidence in what God is doing in my life because of grace. But another part of that is my dad who lived in Michigan. You see, I always knew when I moved out and tried some we we're gonna do some ministry or new excursion, we we're gonna live here, we we're gonna try this, we we're gonna do this. I always knew if it failed. Hey, Dad, uh, it didn't go so well. I always knew he would go, you want a job? Come home. And when I got home, there would never be an I told you so. There would never be a what's the matter with you? What were you thinking? There would never be don't try that again. Never. It was always, come on, let's work out again, rebuild it, and off you go. That's your heavenly father And because of what we've learned about god's grace It is guaranteed. This is your relationship. He, you don't have to fear him The next one is that you're I am his son or i'm his daughter. The bible says this The spirit testifies with our spirit That we are god's children The spirit testifies with our spirit Your spirit Is the part in you that you talk to a lot It's funny um, Schizophrenic is the idea that you have two personalities, right? You're this one person then you're this other person what i'm talking about has nothing to do with schizophrenia, right? But that's the picture, right? If I followed you around right how many times would I catch you talking to yourself? Like who are you talking to? My brother brent he used to do it really loud So, on the farm, you know, he's out there working. And he'd be out there yelling to himself. Having a conversation, yelling to himself. Like, who are you talking to? You're talking to your spirit. It's it's the person who you really are. And it says here that the spirit, God's spirit, testifies with our spirit. That we are god's children you see if you've accepted christ as your personal savior the spirit of god indwells you he lives inside of you your spirit and god's spirit are like one so at any moment at any time any place anywhere in any situation you can stop and go god am i really your child do i really belong to you And his spirit says, yes, you belong to me. Let's practice it. Let's do it right now. I'm going to pray. You don't pray out loud. The reason I'm praying out loud is I'm up front. Okay? I'm going to pray. And if you know Christ as your personal Savior, the person you put your faith in when you trusted him, talk to him. Ask him, do I belong to you? Let's pray. Lord, I'm so grateful for what you've done for me. But, Lord, there are so many ways I just, I don't live, I don't live up to it. You know it. And I often wonder, am I alone or do I belong to you? So I ask you right now, Jesus, am I yours? God the Father, am I your child? Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray, amen. Just like you talk to yourself, God's spirit talks to your spirit. I have no way, I don't know where your spirit is. I I don't know. But it feels like it's in here somewhere, right? Because when you ask that question, and the Spirit says something, it's like your heart goes, I am, that's right, I am. That's confidence. Why? Because when I walk into a situation and I know I belong to God, I know I'm at peace with God. I know I'm valuable. It's amazing. To live from that confidence, that's what grace does in your life. So this this sin thing. Because sin is the number one tool that Satan uses to try to get you to live by fear. In the video, the mice, their whole goal is to get them to be mice. So they would understand you need to be timid and you need to live in fear. You may not know this and... It would take a little bit of uh, investigation. But that's what the old nature, that's who you used to be. That's how it wants you to live. That's how Satan wants you to live. And oftentimes people think, well, the way that the Satan wants you to live is he wants you to turn against God and go to the devil. Just go to the devil and that's the worst of the worst of the worst. and That's what he wants. That's not what he wants at all. He wants you to relate to God by fear. He wants you to be afraid. And he wants you to interact with sin by fear. He wants you to think that the sin is more powerful than Christ and the spirit that lives within you. Here's a couple of things that are the way we interact with it. So the question is, am I living to kill or am I killing to live? So, the idea, and it'll make a little bit of sense in, in, in a bit. How do you interact with sin? What do you do with it? And, and if you're here this morning and you're like, well, I don't think what sin is. You think what sin is. I, I didn't want to have that conversation with you. Whatever you think sin is, how do you deal with it? How are you doing with it? You winning? Or is it Winning? And how do you try to win? What do you do? Well, what I've watched many of us do, and myself included, is we go after it by focusing on it, and we are convinced if we could get rid of sin, then we would be what we want to be. But we really fear it. It seems so powerful. And so, you set about to get rid of it, to destroy it. Maybe it's lust for you. And your life's kind of consumed with lust. You're either thinking about how to do it or how to get rid of it all the time. For others of you, it's control. You're either trying to figure out how to control everything or how to stop being so controlling. Maybe it's pride. Pride you you're either you're either filled with pride and you you try to rule the roost from pride or you're trying to overcome it because it's ruined in your life. maybe it's greed and and you know if I could just get rid of this greed and yet, or other times you're just trying to live from it, you pick yours. And this is what we think. We kind of think, remember the bad guy on this side, and good guy on this side. We think, look, what God wants me to do is he wants me to take a hold of this sin. He wants me to wrestle with it. He wants me to wrestle with it and get it under control. Maybe it's language, right? Your mouth is filthy and, you know, it's just just miserable to be around you, right? I got to get that under control. So you try to do it less. So you're going to wrestle with it. I'm going to beat it. This is what the Bible says. Well, the point first is this. I must stop trying to tame the sin. Stop trying to get better at it. Stop trying to tame the sin. Why? Because the Bible says the sinful nature is hostile to God. It hates God. Remember that pride you have? There's a little bit of good in it. There's zero good in it. It hates God that lust Well, you know some no it hates god It does not submit to god's law nor can it do so those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please god Can't happen In other words, you can wrestle all you want It will never ever ever Get under control. Well, I get it down some. Yeah, you're right, but it's coming back. Why? Because you cannot get it under control. Have you ever seen a tame zebra? I know that kind of came out of nowhere. (laughs) Have you ever seen a tame zebra? No. It's interesting. Zebras look just like horses. Can't tame them. They're actually, they're wild. And uh, they kick harder than... Horses, because they actually look underneath themselves at what they're going to kick, and then they put their whole force into it. They can break the jaw of a lion. They can do amazing damage. And people have spent time, lots of time trying to tame them. And what they found out is this. They might act tame for a little bit. But at any unknown time, they will come out of it. And they will kick you or bite you That's why they don't do it You can't tame them You cannot tame The sin nature You can't This idea that if I get My sin nature under control I can be close to God I can be valuable My life will start to work out I can move in the right direction Is a myth Stop It it won't work The the next step is this. I must keep my eye on my dad, not the sin. This is what the Bible says. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation. But it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. Isn't it amazing how the sinful nature demands your attention? Isn't it amazing that lust is a good one for this, right? Lust tells you what? picture pops up. Look, just look at the picture and then I'll be fine. I'll leave you alone. Right? Just look at the picture. I'll be fine. I'll leave you alone. Shoes. Just this one pair of shoes. Because if you get this one pair of shoes, you'll be satisfied. And I'll leave you alone. You'll never have to buy shoes again. Right? Food. Just that one piece of pie. I will be so satisfied. I'll never want it again. How long does it last? Yeah. It lied to you. What it says is, if you will pay me off now, you won't have any obligation to me. And as soon as you pay it off, it wants more see the sin nature demands it says you owe it you've got to feed it you've got to it's part of who you are that's what it says the bible says you have an obligation but it's not the sin nature you don't owe it a thing you don't have to talk to it you don't have to interact with it you don't owe it a thing just know this when you don't talk to it it just screams louder right it says, but not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. Now that doesn't mean, this isn't talking about heaven and hell. This is talking about your life. And when you feed the sin nature, you waste your life. It destroys your life. Many, many times people say, why doesn't God do something about all the evil in the world? Well, actually, he has. All the suffering in the world. Almost all the suffering in the world is caused by people who feed the sin nature. It's true. If I could sit down with your family, or if you could sit down with my family, but if I could sit down with your family, Thanksgiving's coming, Christmas is coming, and I could just you know, come to Christmas with you and watch your family. And watch this hurt take place, and that hurt take place, and that hurt take place. All of them took place because someone lived by the sin nature. Are you hooked on something? It's because you live by the sin nature. Do you lie a lot? And it's devastating to your relationships? It's because you're hooked on the sin nature. Do you go to work and you're miserable all day? It's because you're feeding the sin nature. You are living from there. It creates all this death, all this pain, all these broken relationships. So, therefore, brothers, if we live, we don't have an obligation to it, but if you do live to it, you're going to die. We don't want to die. We want to live. We want to live from confidence. We want to live. We want to enjoy life and love life and love others. That's what we want to do. It says, the next thing it says, so what do I do? I must keep my eye on my dad, not the sin. How do you do that? We're going to kind of put these next two together The next one said I must carry a sword Not a pocket knife So how do you keep your eye On your dad and this is what the bible says But if by the spirit You put to death The misdeeds of the body By the spirit what's that mean? See You're either going to live As though what God Has said is true and you're going to live by grace through faith. In other words, God gave you this gift, and then you have a choice as to whether or not you believe him and live from there, or you're going to live as though God is over there and you're over here, and you need to get things straightened out so you can go be with God. So you're either going to live by the Spirit, and the way you live by the Spirit is you trust God for what he says. A few weeks ago, we did uh, the blue card, and uh, in the blue card, I ask you to go choose a sin and then go sin for these reasons, and uh, some of you were furious. You're like, me Crickets, what kind of church tells you to go sin? But some of you did it, and this is what I ask you to do. I ask you to choose a sin and then do it for this reason. Because Jesus died in my place. So at that point, are you focused on the sin or on Jesus? I said, go sin because Jesus paid my debt. In other words, I don't have to pay the debt for this. Jesus paid for it. I'm free to sin. Are you focused on the sin or are you focused on Jesus? Because God poured out his wrath for me for this sin on Jesus. I'm free to go sin. Are you focused on the sin or on Jesus? Because this sin will qualify me for more of his grace. I'm going to do it. Now, if you did that, what you just did is you focused on your dad, not the sin. Now, if you live over here, if you live over here, then you are the person who says, I am going to win this sin thing and then I'm going to become valuable. I'm going to win this sin thing and then I'm going to be Good. I'm going to win this sin thing, and then I'll have the right to go be with God and have peace with God. But when you do that, you know what you focus on? The sin. I'm going to beat alcoholism. I'm going to beat drug addiction. I'm going to beat lust. I'm going to beat being controlling. I'm going to beat this anger problem I have. I'm going to do it, and then I can go be with God. But what the Bible says is, if by the Spirit, Focusing on my dad, not the sin. You put to death the misdeeds of the body. The misdeeds of the body are the way you've learned to live before you became a believer. It's the list of sins. Now, how do we interact with sin usually? So it says, by the Spirit. So we got that part. I'm with God. I'm not trying. It's me and God against the sin, right? So I know I'm forgiven. I know who I am, right? And now we have a sin. I'm going to take lust because lust is one that almost every guy deals with. Um, I guess girls more and more now. uh, The media thing, that's what I'm reading. I know about guys. I don't know about girls. Um, And this is what we tend to do with sin. You don't have to do lust. You can do your sin. You can do whatever the one that you struggle with, right? But we tend to carry sin around with us like it's our friend because we kind of think it is. Because lust feels good for a little while. And not only that, it seems to never go away anyway. It seems to always be with us. And so there's times that we ignore it. There's times that we fear it. Because of the devastation it can have in our lives. There's times that we pet it. Right? That's the times that you're on the computer thinking about whether or not you're going to do it or not do it. That's the times that you click a little bit further or go a little bit further And again, you choose your sin But you pet it You hang out with it And then something happens and you're convicted that you need to do something about it And so what you do is you go get a knife A nice big pocket knife And you get together with a group of people and you talk about this sin Right and you you, you're serious man. You go to group and everything and you put this baby into this sin, and, you, and, you, and, you, and the group talks about it, and the guys talk about the sin, and, the, and by the time you get done with the conversation, what's everybody say? go, "Yeah, man, I understand. that's tough." We, we just kind of play with it. We act as if it's a part of our lives. We try to overcome it in some way or another. But you know what we really believe? We believe it will always be a part of our lives. We believe it's a part of us, and we believe it's acceptable. It's excusable. But God says not to play with it, not to come up with different ways that I'm going to overcome it. Actually, the Bible says something really cool. It says the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. And it says we're to put it to death. In other words, we're supposed to deal with this lust, right? As though I'm going to kill it. I'm, I'm, I, I have a choice. I'm either going to believe God for what he says. And when I pull out that sword, I ask this question, who am I? Oh, I'm forgiven and I'm holy. I'm his son. I belong to God. And he belongs to me. When I pull out this sword, I decide, am I going to live from what I think is right? Or, I'm, or what I feel? Or am I going to believe what God has said about me? And then... Based on what God has said about me is true, and based on my relationship with Jesus and Jesus's relationship with me, based on all the things we talked about, with confidence, I can kill the sin. Now, with lust, it means this I'm no longer fighting to be with God. It means this it means that because I am one with God, because his spirit lives in my spirit because he's overcome sin. I am going to kill it, which in the lust category means this. It means that I am going to put something on my computer, that sends an email to one of my friends if I ever look at something like that. It means for some of us, I'm not getting on a computer if somebody else isn't with me. Why? Lust is an interesting thing. We almost never do it in public never it's one of those sins you take your sin and this morning I ask you what are you going to do with it are you going to keep living from here are you going to keep trying to make your life and live as though God is over there and and you're going to overcome these things and you're going to interact with sin are you going to keep living to try to kill it or are you going to kill so you can live because what happens when we kill the sin? What happens when you're addicted to something and you're then set free? What happens to your relationships? What happens to your potential marriage or your marriage? You, what happens... When you stop spending more money than you make and you actually start saving and giving, it's amazing. You start to live. And God offers you this morning to take the sin, see it for what it is, realize it's your enemy. Pick up the sword of the Spirit pick up what God says is true with you. And this morning you decide, are you going to believe what God says about you? Or are you going to believe what you think about you? And then ask God, okay, God, what do we do? How do I kill it? Because I'm ready to kill it. I'm ready to be done with it. What do I do? Please stand. I'm going to pray. And then we're going to sing. Dearly Father, <clears throat> It's you and me Against the sin And really it comes down to whether or not I'm going to believe what you have to say And kill it Lord I pray for each of us That this morning you would bring to mind The thing that we've been playing with And playing around with And and, and, uh, petting And stabbing But we haven't killed it haven't believed you and taken whatever drastic steps that need to be taken for that to never be a part of our life Lord I pray as we sing that you would interact with people and people would interact with you and they would by the spirit choose to put to death the deeds of the flesh in your name we pray